The crime situation in America continues to get worse, more and more horrifying. We have never seen this kind of violence. I've never seen attacks like this. I never have. And I've seen a lot of stuff. A woman, a 61-year-old emergency responder, first responder, getting stabbed in the street. Two o'clock in the afternoon, a reasonably safe neighborhood by reputation. She's killed. And this one, this happened just a little while ago. Marist College, a beautiful college in upstate New York, right along the Hudson River. Bill O'Reilly graduated from there. A family shows up. It's family day at the campus. They're staying at a nearby courtyard by Marriott. A couple of maniacs get into an argument in the lobby, start shooting staff, and a stray bullet hits the innocent father of one of the college kids. Had nothing at all to do with that fight. One of the college kids, his own son he was visiting, an accountant from Long Island, is, is now dead. <laughs> and we have a governor here, a Democrat by the name of Kathy Hochul, thoroughly ensconced in her own personal security, Never had it so good. Look at her. She thinks she's the Queen of England waving to everybody. And she also thinks she's going to be elected governor, like a lot of other Democrats elected this, elected that, by talking about abortion. It's not going to work. This is a clear and present danger, the crime situation to so many, so many. And uh, look, if you want to get involved, I'm not endorsing anybody, but if you want to get involved in politics, a $10 donation, a $15 donation. A guy like Zeldin really needs it. He's the Republican congressman, war veteran running. You know, Kathy Hochul has a lot of big donors supporting her. But they say it's actually more powerful to have 100 people give you $10 each, and that equals 1000 I think, yeah, than having one guy give you 1000 bucks. 10 bucks, $15, widespread. You can shock the world, be it New York or... Anywhere else, we've got a lot of competitive races, but it is looking good because it's looking so troubling, and we want a change. We want a change. Somebody who I don't think wants a change is Mitch McConnell. I, the American people will make a decision shortly, but in the meantime, I will. Oh, gosh. I can't believe they got the establishment feeling sorry for Mitch McConnell because Donald Trump took to Truth Social and told it like it is regarding Mitch McConnell. Truth Social, over the weekend, shall we? It's all very reasonable, actually. Number one, uh, let's go. We're going to break this down a little bit. Is McConnell approving all of these trillions of dollars worth of Democrat-sponsored bills without even the slightest bit of negotiation because he hates Donald J. Trump, which he does, by the way, or what's the other option? And he knows I am strongly opposed to them. Or is he doing it because he believes in the fake and highly destructive Green New Deal? and is willing to take the country down with him? Good question. Next, in any event, either reason is unacceptable. All right. So now is where the true social gets uh, extra Trump. All right. Let's take a look at this. He has a death wish, must immediately seek help and advice from his China-loving wife, Coco Chow. Now, actually, I have no problem with this. This is not a death threat. This is not racist. It's not. It's a figure of speech regarding death wish, but just look at them. Listen to them. Just freak out for a fact. I don't think they're really bothered inside, but take a look. It's hard to know where to start with the assassination instructions or the blatant racism. This is outrageous. It's beyond the pale. Every Republican ought to be able to say so. Very obvious racist and frankly a death threat to his, his colleague. You think it was a death threat? 
I, even if it wasn't, the crazy people who stormed the Capitol, for example, right. see it as... It was in all caps. Read it. You can't put in full caps about Mitch McConnell that he has a death wish. We know that he's essentially calling calling his supporters to, to behave as though they did on January 6th or worse. Yeah, right, 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 right. This is a call for an assassination attempt. Saying that somebody has a death wish, just might have a death wish, just might be not committed to victory. Death wish, right? Death wish. Is that phrase really dangerous, is it? Then the fake news, they got a lot of deleting and editing to do because here are about 50,000 examples of the fake news using that term in their fake news stories. Does George W. Bush have a death wish? There's death wish coffee. Are we talking about, is it suicide coffee? No. Do unions have a death wish? Are these assassination attempts? No, they are not. It is a figure of speech, speech period. Fair enough? Fair enough. Oh, my favorite on this list is, I believe, Major League Baseball. Man, there's a death wish underwear company. Major League Baseball has a death wish. Imagine that. A, a, is that an assassination call for Aaron Judge with the season that he is having? How disgraceful. Here are some more examples. And I, we could do this all night, by the way. Death wish across the board. And one more for good measure, all right? Because Chuck Todd is possibly the worst of the worst, right? And here he is yesterday. He is so appalled. He just can't stand it. What's happening? Uh, Susan, I want to pivot a little bit to Donald Trump. He has used some, as always, his rhetoric seems to get more extreme and we get sometimes numb to it. He issued a death threat against, it's, I don't know any other way to put it, against Mitch McConnell. You don't know any other way to put it against Mitch McConnell. You don't know any other way to put it. Wow. This is dishonest, obviously. Every time they spoke, they're all lying, all lying, especially this guy. Uh, I found a couple of examples, about 50, of him saying death wish. Here's one. When we come back, the Republican Party has 31 governorships, the most senators since 2005, and the most members of the House since the Hoover presidency. So why does it seem as though the party has a death wish when it comes to trying to win the White House? Death wish. Again, calling for the death of Republicans? Assassin. No. You wouldn't bat an eye if he said that and you were watching TV. It's what people say. It's what people say. And we're not supposed to talk like we're surrounded by psychotic babies who are going to do something the moment we have a normal conversation. That's what the Wall Street Journal seems to think uh, America is all about. Take a look at their... They were freaked out as well. Trump's death wish. It's all too easy to imagine some fanatic taking Mr. Trump seriously and literally and attempting to kill Mr. McConnell. It is not easy for me to imagine that, actually. Many supporters took Mr. Trump's rhetoric about former Vice President Pence all too seriously on January 6th. What does that even mean? Oh, the hang Mike Pence thing with the three-foot gallows? This is... It's political rhetoric. This is an attempt, I believe, at censorship. This is what, watch what you say, huh? No, this is still a free country. And I want to get to the allegedly racist part of this, which is not racist, okay? Let's see. China-loving wife, Coco Chow. Now, he's talking about Elaine Chow, and people have raised questions about Elaine Chow and her family's business ties to China for a long time. There she is behind Mitch McConnell with her father, James. These are nice people, and they have been very legally, but for a long time, making a lot of money from communist China, all right? Even the New York Times, back when she was, well, a devoted Trump person, member of the cabinet, it was she was fair game. 
Look at what they wrote about the Chow family and their deep ties to the world's two largest economies, including China. Number one, Ms. Chow's family ties to the shipping company and her dealings in China raise ethical issues. Oh, boy, do they. In 2008, James Chow, the dad, gave the couple, Mitch and Elaine, a gift of as much as $25 million, vaulting Mr. McConnell into the ranks of the richest senators. And yes, the Chows make lots and lots of money by doing business with communist China. And many from the New York Times to the Spectator have wondered, is there a major, major conflict of interest here? This, folks, is fair game. As to what else did he say in that true social post, uh, China loving way? Coco Chow. And people are like, well, Coco, why do they say Coco? Well, why not Coco? There's nothing, there's nothing remotely racist. They're just throwing around this term. Coco, the only Coco, I know two Cocos. I know Coco Chanel. Remember her, the French Grand Dame, Chanel number no. five. Uh, people are still crazy about those pocketbooks for some reason. And there's Ice Tea's Coco. Ice T, he's married to a woman named Coco. She's very nice. I've actually met her a couple of times. Great person. And Ice T is cool, too. All right. Did you catch the rally over the weekend in Michigan? You really should make it a point to watch these things. If you can't watch it on a Saturday night, find time to watch it on YouTube. Uh, you will hear things that you won't hear anything anywhere else, and you'll learn a lot. A lot that the fake news won't tell you. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, there were little gems like this. I recommended and authorized to numerous people, including the Secretary of Defense and others, 10,000 to 20,000 troops to ensure peace, safety, and protection. That recommendation was turned down by crazy Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of Washington, D.C. We authorized from 10 to 20,000, and it's in the Obama, from previous, the Obama Inspector General's report. And they turned it down, and they don't want to talk about it. The Unselect Committee doesn't want to talk about it. It's a complete scam. You know, I did not know that about the uh, Inspector General's report, and it is true. It essentially absolved uh, Donald Trump's Pentagon uh, from wrongdoing. And there was a lot of speculation. Listen, look at this. We determined that the decisions made by senior DOD officials and actions taken by the DOD in response to the civil disturbance at the U.S. Capitol were reasonable. And that's interesting because there was so much of a furor about the people Trump appointed to the Pentagon after the election. Remember this? Trump stacks the Pentagon and intel agencies with loyalists to what end? That's where all this some of this talk about, oh, they're going to remain in power, refuse to leave. They are insurrectionists. No, they behaved very reasonably and within the law. All right. The rally was terrific. I uh, can't play you the whole thing. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. But the way they're wrapping up these days, I mean, everybody gets kind of quiet. They quiet down a little bit and then they hit the music. And it really is something to behold. Take a look. Everyone here today and citizens all across our land. We will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. Proud. We will make America safe again. And we will make America 
great again. Thank you, Michigan. God bless you all. Thank you, Michigan. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. It really is. And when he's wrapped up, when he's actually walking off stage, can you imagine Joe Biden being able to catch anything like this? Some guy throws a hat and pen and he catches him. He wants an autograph. Watch this. Good catch. And it looks like he does a very good throw. All right. The one and only. Hey, stay with us. Remember Michael Fanone? Michael Fanone? The cap, the, uh, the cop. Now he's totally disrespecting Capitol Hill. The entire Capitol almost sucked up to this guy. And now he's insulting him with profanity and being disrespectful. Very, very much so. We'll be right back. Okay, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is finally on the Supreme Court. I hope I never have to hear about her until she retires. Gosh, all year she's the first, this, that, the other thing. Uh, and now that she's there, she's still talking about herself. Listen. People from all walks of life approach me with what I can only describe as a profound sense of pride. And what feels to me like renewed ownership. I can see it in their eyes. I can hear it in their voices. They stare at me as if to say, look at what we've done. You can look at my eyes. I will roll my eyes. I'm sorry. This didn't impress me when Obama became the president and it was supposed to inspire so many and is going to take care of so many problems, but it didn't. You know, good for Ketanji Brown Jackson. She went to Harvard. She made it happen. I don't know what it represents for anybody else. Good for her. <laughs> and this guy, it did very little for anybody else, but he's on his way to being a billionaire. Oh, don't forget. Um, and I think this marred the entire process. Joe Biden said out loud he was going to pick a person who looked a certain way and had, forgive me, certain genitalia. Person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. I think he actually did a disservice to Katanji Brown-Jackson by saying such a thing. Yeah, I do. I don't like it. And I also don't like this guy, Fanon. Remember him? I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room. But too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. Whoa. Wow, he was mad, and he's still mad. He's really mad. He's cursing at everybody, even the fake news who helped him so much. Fanon is not your effing hero. Yeah, that word, the F word. We blacked it out in Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, and take a look at the picture, <laughs> the photo shoot. He went up to Capitol Hill with his dog, and uh, put his feet up on the little cooler there, drank beer. I think there's a law against that, possibly. I'm not sure, but 
Here's what he said. Oh, before I show you pieces of the article, this is one of the things that bothers me about him. I think he's playing up the injury thing. What happened afterwards is much less vivid. I had been beaten unconscious and remained so for more than four minutes. I know that Jimmy helped to evacuate me from the building and drove me to MedStar Washington Hospital Center, despite suffering significant injuries himself. At the hospital, doctors told me that I had suffered a heart attack, and I was later diagnosed with a concussion, a traumatic brain injury, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, it doesn't quite make sense that seven or eight days after January 6th, he was standing for pictures in front of the Capitol, giving media interviews, looking quite fine, looking quite fine. I, uh, I have my doubts. I think he was encouraged to make that story sound maybe a bit more interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know. And inside the article, I'm so, he's, he's angry at everybody. F that place. He's talking about the Capitol. And F the people inside it, too. Wow. Uh, what else here? Uh, F, for instance, the 21 House Republicans who voted against awarding the Congressional Gold Medal to officers who defended the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, well, when Fanon got a load of that SH, you know what, he decided to pay a little visit to every one of those House Republicans. I was like, I've got nothing better to do today. I'm going to annoy some people on Capitol Hill. So he goes up there. Speaking of those visits, F that, F that, fat, F, 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 chief of staff who had the gall to ask to see Dunn's badge. Harry Dunn, was with him that day. I was like, here's my badge number one, says Fanon, holding up his middle finger. I eat that, S-H-I, for breakfast. Now, keep in mind what's happening here again. Two cops have gone to Capitol Hill badgering uh, members of Congress to give them a medal. That is very, very strange behavior. A medal for January 6th. It was a major failure by law enforcement. It was. Love law enforcement. But boy, oh boy, there were a lot of screw-ups that day. And a lot of weird things, of course. Who is this cop waving people on? Why were those cops just standing there as people walked right into the Capitol? See this? Welcome to the Capitol. They're just standing there. What is this all about? Give them all gold medals, right? Think there's anything political here? And of course, most of all, Ashley Babbitt shot and killed uh, and for no reason, by the way, she was unarmed. And these three guys, just before she's killed, decide to take a coffee break. There they go. And then all hell breaks loose and she is shot and killed just a few seconds later. Fanon now has a deal on CNN. He is a talking head. He doesn't seem to like it very much. He's complaining about that, too. Uh, they finagled to get him a job, and he doesn't really like being there. Um, you know, his new friend, the congressman, Swalwell, says that, uh, what does he say? Fanon does not have a political dog in this fight. Yep, uh, that's what Eric Swalwell says. Anyone who says he's doing the bidding of Democrats, says Swalwell, incredulous, he has no political dog in this fight at all. I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Eric Swalwell. Not just because of Fang Fang, but uh, because I know things. Right now, one of those parties has a cancer. And we got to cut it out. <laughs> He's talking about the Republican Party. And he has, no, uh, he has no political dog in this fight. And just remember, one more thing about this guy. He... Uh, I don't know. I think he talks too much. Put it up on the screen, please. Another quote. I also derive some degree of pleasure out of some things that I think would make other people traumatized. 
Well, I wouldn't make uh, light of that, especially from what you tell us you're going through. I had what would amount to like a mild heart attack. I also learned that I experienced a you know, traumatic brain injury. What I most struggle with is you know, kind of some of the emotional after effects or psychological trauma. All right, but he, he takes pleasure in the idea that he can take it. Other people are traumatized. Look, I actually like this guy on some level. I do. I just think he was manipulated and exploited by people who do not have his best interests at heart. And reading this Rolling Stone story, I am happy for one thing. He seems to have gotten a better relationship with his ex-wife and therefore a better relationship with his daughters. And that's really, really great news. Um, I'm happy for that. Uh, but everything else, he needs to make some new friends and get rid of the old ones quick. All right, one more thing. Do you remember the violence that happened near the White House during Black Lives Matter summer? It was really, really intense. Do you remember how they actually, the Secret Service said that Donald Trump had to go to a bunker, a bunker under, underneath the White House? Yeah, that was a big deal. And comedians thought it was funny. Naturally, on Friday, as protests raged nearby, Trump took shelter in the White House bunker. So far, Trump's turned off the White House lights, hidden a bunker, and is now building an ugly chain-link fence. He's like every crazy neighbor rolled into one. Ooh, someone got a thesaurus. I guess Trump's had a lot of free time in that bunker. Mr. President, what are you doing down there? Uh, I am defecating my dungarees. Not funny, especially during COVID when they had no audience in the room. Um, but then we talk about Mike Pence and the trauma of January 6th. And remember, he was in that parking garage for 12 minutes. And he was a man of steely nerves. The Secret Service brought him down there. And why is it that the media, everybody, they, they laugh at what Donald Trump went through. But this, this was serious. He was in a parking garage, an underground parking garage, because he refused. I mean, it was a moment of true bravery. Mm -hmm. True bravery, Mike Pence. Secret Service so worried about Pence's physical safety on January 6th, they tried to get Pence to leave the Capitol, sheltering him in this underground parking garage. Trump showed a, la a total lack of concern for his vice president's safety that day. But despite the fact the rioters were chanting, hang Mike Pence, and Pence had to spend hours hiding from the mob. These are these are fascinating photos. I mean, I you know, the, the, having Mrs. Pence close the windows to, to protect her husband. I mean, it's uh, it can't it doesn't get any more real than that. I have a strong stomach, uh, but that's pretty nauseating. It's nauseating. The hypocrisy, the lack of respect for the truth. Stay with us. Tudor Dixon, who will likely be, we think, the next governor of Michigan. Tudor Dixon coming up. Saturday night in Michigan, an awesome rally, by the way, and the president handed the mic over to Tudor Dixon, the Republican candidate for governor. I think she's going to win. Uh, she was on fire that night. Uh, listen to this. We're not going to let our kids 
be radicalized. We're not going to let our kids be sexualized. We're not going to let our law enforcement be demonized. We're not going to tell our businesses they can't expand. And everything I've said about Gretchen Whitmer's record is true. Stop trying to make re-election happen, Gretchen. <laughs> Great stuff from Tudor Dixon, the Republican candidate. Congratulations. That was quite a night. How are you? Welcome back. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a very fun night. There was a lot of energy in that room. You know what it's like to go to a Trump rally. That was probably one of the most exciting Trump rallies I've been to because the energy was just so high. Everybody is very excited about this election, and they should be because we've been through a really rough four years. So people are ready to turn the page on that. So you had a moment there. You talked about a reporter approaching you saying, are you being a mean girl to Gretchen? And I'm sorry, I don't want to, you know, I, I just every time I see Gretchen and from what I've heard, she's a bit of a mean girl herself. Gretchen Whitmer is said to be not very nice. Maybe she is. I don't know. What was that all about there? Yeah, she said, I've heard a couple of your speeches now, and you just really are nasty about the things that Gretchen Whitmer has done. Are you running a mean girl campaign? Something that you would never ask a man. This is ridiculous. I'm running against an opponent who has done very terrible things to the state of Michigan. She's destroyed our education system. She led our seniors to their death. She knew she was hurting our kids. She also has demonized our businesses and our police officers. She's done terrible things to the state of Michigan. Imagine a reporter saying that to someone. It's outrageous. They're in her back pocket. That's the thing about people in the Republican Party. We don't have the media. We have guys like you, and that's, that's it. We're so grateful for people like you because when we're out on the road, the local media, it's very rare to get someone who is friendly. Well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that, but things could change. Then again, you don't necessarily need them. I want to show a poll right now. You are, according to Trafalgar, and they're pretty good. You're a couple of points behind, uh, but let's face it. Well, 45 to uh, 50, and that's actually, <laughs> look, it's looking very good for you. Uh, there's a lot you can read into these numbers. Give me your takeaway, please. Yeah, this is after they've spent $23 million in attack ads against us, and we're just starting to advertise in the coming weeks. So you imagine after $23 million, that's where we are. We're looking really good. We hear a lot about the silent Republican or the quiet Republican, and I'm telling you, everywhere we go, that quiet Republican whispers in my ear. Just this afternoon, I was out, and I had someone come up to me and say, I'm voting for you. <laughs> I love it. It's no ma I'm honestly, no matter where we go. You know, it is kind of strange, though, in America in 2022 that we have to whisper these things. Somebody yeah. did the same thing to me in a restaurant. Great guys, great people. But they're like, we're conservatives. We love you. And like like somebody might turn them in, like somebody might get offended. And yeah. that that could happen. Hey, do me a favor. Summarize for me the situation in Michigan during covid. The perception was from the outside. We saw the protests in Lansing and beyond that Gretchen Whitmer totally, totally overdid it. Uh, got a little bit carried away with power and just kind of lost it. Your uh, your assessment of her leadership during COVID. Well, it was outrageous and vindictive is a word that I've heard used quite a bit. She had our restaurants closed down for eight months, longer than any other state. Our kids were out of school longer than almost any other state. She had opportunities to do to give reading scholarships to the children. She vetoed those. She was told not to put seniors into nursing homes. She did that anyway. COVID positive seniors into nursing homes did that anyway. She shut down all of our greenhouses and we actually had sections of the stores that had cautions 
license tape around them saying, you can't shop in this section of the store. I'll tell you one example. I had a guy from a greenhouse say to me, I was selling curbside and they actually put a note on the door of my business saying you will serve jail time if you don't stop with your curbside service of Easter lilies. He said, but the guy down the street could sell marijuana curbside. And the last time I checked, it's the same growing process. Wow. Well, um, you know, America, I think they're on your side. We'll see what happens, but uh, it's looking very good. Hey, why don't we wrap up? Uh, Donald Trump gave you a full-throated endorsement again uh, Saturday night. Let's hear that. Cut one, please. Michigan, you need to dump this wild-eye extremist Gretchen Whitmer and put Tudor Dixon in the governor's mansion. Good woman. She will fight for Michigan families like no one has ever fought before. She will defend your jobs. She will defend your manufacturing. She will defend your safety. And she will defend your values. Tudor, one, one more quick thing. If there's anybody on the left or anybody who, uh, you know, is a traditional Democrat, what would you say to them in Michigan? Why should they vote for you? Reach out to the other side, if you don't mind, just for a few seconds. Absolutely. We're going to protect your children. We're going to bring back safe cities and we're going to bring back the American dream to Michigan. Right now, it's so overregulated. You can't even start a business. That's going to change. Michigan will be free. We'll be open for business and it'll be a great place to have your family. Tudor Dixon, the Republican gubernatorial candidate in uh, Michigan. Uh, thank you very much to be continued. Good luck. Take care. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Oh, my goodness gracious. How could he say such a thing? Mitch McConnell must have a death wish, must immediately seek help and advice from his China-loving wife, Coco Chow. Thing is, Donald Trump, in my opinion, is totally right. Uh, people have been wondering about uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, his wife, and ties to the Communist Party of China for a long time. Even folks in the liberal media, you are allowed to raise these questions. This is still America. I'd like to bring in Eric Eggers. He is the vice president of research at the Government Accountability Institute, co-host of the Drill Down podcast and a great researcher. Uh, Eric, thank you for being here. What did you make of that tweet? I, you know, the stylistic is the style, but uh, isn't Donald Trump onto something? I think he's absolutely onto something. And the reason we know he's onto something is because the actual substance of the post isn't being discussed. The media is selecting the most incendiary words or what they claim to be the most incendiary words with Death Witch and, and uh, Coco Chow. I mean, I have a pretty inappropriate sense of humor. That's not uh, a racist term that I'm familiar with. Uh, it wasn't racist when The New York Times reported on Mitch McConnell and Elaine Chow's ties to the Chinese government in 2019. And I think you can tell that Donald Trump is absolutely correct because he's right. Mitch McConnell, by supporting the Green Giveaway and the Inflation Reduction Act and everything else that the Democrats have been able to do to pour money into unproven green technology, ultimately does end up benefiting China. But the ties are much more direct than that. Elaine Chao's father owns a company that does direct business with the Chinese government. So the facts are there for anybody to see if they're willing to take a look. And by the way, these aren't just uh, a couple of uh, bank accounts in China. Take a look at this ship. This is a ship, I believe, owned by a company called Foremost, which is based, I believe, 70 percent in China, 30 percent in New York. This is this is the father's ship. 
This is his ship. Now, his daughter was the Secretary of Transportation, American Transportation. Uh, this, I believe, was constructed at a communist, in part, communist-owned facility. This would, I think, quite reasonably present a uh, pretty substantial conflict of interest, would, right? Um, especially <laughs> when you consider that when she was Transportation Secretary under Donald Trump, the Transportation Department budget called for cuts to things that would have boosted U.S. shipping. At the same time, U.S. shipping, uh, the industry actually declined. Guess what benefited? Chinese shipping, specifically Elaine Chow's father's company and the general industry in which it exists. And, oh, by the way, you've been paying attention to Mitch McConnell and Elaine Chow for the last multiple decades. Their fortunes have soared. Mitch McConnell's bias is for the status quo. He didn't like Donald Trump because he's a change agent. He, he tolerated him for four years. And as soon as Donald Trump was out of the White House, it's back to making money and business as usual for the McConnells and the Chows. And business as usual for Elaine Chow's family means what's good for China. That's just the facts. And by the way, there are a lot of China-loving politicians that we're not crazy about. Joe Biden. Joe Biden in China. And Donald Trump has pointed this out. It's okay. You, you're not immune from criticism because of your ethnicity. Uh, that's how I view things. And uh, by the way, this is pretty hefty, a pretty hefty gift. Put it up on the screen, please. As reported by the New York Times, and I believe some of your colleagues, a major multi-million dollar gift from Elaine Chow's father uh, to Elaine Chow and, and, and Mitch McConnell. In 2008, James Chow gave the couple a gift of as much as $25 million, vaulting Mr. McConnell into the ranks of the richest senators. I mean, <laughs> no wonder why this guy is so weird and so inconsistent and strange. He's, uh, I don't think he's putting America first. No, I think you're absolutely right. I have a terrific father-in-law, and he has not done anything near that generous with me. No one does, right? And so, of course, when you look at the fact that Mitch McConnell's posture and policy towards China has softened dramatically, well, how many reasons could there be for that? Maybe 25 million, maybe more. Because, again, the way that the, the disclosure rules are, we don't know exactly what Mitch McConnell does. We don't know how much Mitch McConnell benefits from Elaine Chow's family's shipping dynasty. But we do know that it benefited when she was in a position to impact the competition in the United States. And this is part of yeah. China's overall strategy. They're not shy about it. It's called elite capture. Their job is yeah. to curry favor and essentially get leverage, financial or otherwise, with American elites. It's Eric, one of the reasons why they did business with the vice president's son, Hunter Biden. As we say goodbye, also, let's lighten up about saying somebody has a death wish. It means acting in not your own best interests or your country's. And uh, people use the term all the time, culturally as well. We showed journalists er earlier. Watch this. Some people in life, they play stupid, and I think they just have a death wish or something. But society has a death wish. Death wish coffee, fiercely caffeinated. It's a harmless term. It doesn't mean anything. And it's unbelievable how hypocritical they are. Uh, Eric Eggers, really appreciate it from the Government Accountability Institute. Check it out. Great stuff there. G-A-I, G-A-I, which is very peculiar, but it works. G-A-I.org. Thank you, sir. You can also go to the drilldown.com. It's easier. Ah, drill down. Very good. Thank you. And we'll be right back. All I can say 
is that the fake news just doesn't get it, it do they? Oh, boy, uh, the fake news, writing books left and right. No books about Joe Biden. They're all about Donald Trump because these books sell. But as to what's in them, I'm not so sure. Uh, Confidence Man is a new book by uh, Maggie Haberman. Uh, and uh, let's see. Here's one of the big, big, big scoops. Are you ready for this? It's a big one. He wasn't watching TV on January 6th. Doing when, when, how did you find out that, that there were people storming the, the Capitol? I had heard that afterwards. And actually, on the late side, I was, I was having meetings. Mm-hmm. I was also with uh, Mark Meadows and others. Mm-hmm. I was not watching television. I didn't have the television you on. Weren't. Okay. Uh, I didn't usually have that te- the television on. I'd have it on if there was something. I then later turned it on, and I saw what was happening. Now, people, you know, the January 6th committee, others are totally up in arms. How could he say such a thing? We have it on record that he was watching TV. All of our fake witnesses told us that much. Other witnesses confirmed that President Trump was in the dining room with the TV on for more than two and a half hours. After Donald Trump launched what he knew was an armed attack on the Capitol, he sat in his private dining room for more than three hours watching the attack on Fox TV. The committee recreated the 187 minutes of the attack blow by blow, saying Mr. Trump watched it unfold on TV and never called a single law enforcement agency. I'm actually surprised I missed this during the January 6th hearings because uh, that's not the way President Trump consumes television. He does not watch it live. He has said many times one of the greatest inventions is TiVo, TiVo, the DVR. He watches it hours later. He can go through the commercials, skip to the best parts. He says it all the time. One of the greatest inventions in history, TiVo, better than television, because television is useless without it. Right? I saw them all, and I said, wait, you know, with the wonderful invention of TiVo, one of the greats, you can play it back. I said, you have to see this. Uh, it's a great invention. It's called TiVo. Okay? I don't want to be advertising, but, you know, it's like better than television, because television, you never see it again. With TiVo, you play it back. I have one of the great inventions in history. It's called TiVo. I think it's actually better than television because television is practically useless without TiVo, right? Yeah. All right. So I know he watches this show sometimes on TiVo. All right. So the fake news has got to lighten up. They don't have it on him. They think they do. I am getting all kinds of stuff on fake news. I've decided I'm going to start keeping track. All right. The number of lies they tell about Trump, the number of lies in general. I watched a couple of Sunday shows yesterday. You know how many lies I counted? Uh, 47, <laughs> 47 that I counted. Now, this is not, um, is it scientific? I mean, look, I'm counting them. I'm putting them down on a, in my little notebook. It's better than what they were doing. Any, anything he said, if it was like, you know, we had hamburgers stacked to the moon, they would say, that's a lie. He did not have hamburgers stacked to the moon. They took him literally, not seriously. That's their big problem. All right. Now this. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Uh, The vetting of Joe Biden is a little bit too late, but somebody should have sat him down and figured out if he, uh, well, if he was all there, because he's not now. Take a look. Minnesota, Texas, to to help however they can. And New York sent not only a congressman, one of the most congresswomen in the Congress, but a state troopers and emergency responders. 
What? Let's put it up. We broke it down in text form. New York sent not only a congresswoman, one of the most congresswomen in the Congress. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. No, no, no thanks. No thanks. All right. Who knows who uh, Nick Saban is, the great football coach, right? Well, it's getting a little bit of an attitude. Uh, Listen to the very pure question the reporter asks, and he's offended by that question, even though that's the question he wants to be asked. I'm serious. Take a look. Coach, your Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young goes down. The rest of the team steps up. What did you learn about the resiliency of this squad today? Well, you know, what I'd like to talk about is our team. You know, our team just won a game on the road. Wasn't pretty all the time, but they made plays when they had to make it. We love Bryce. Bryce has got a sprained shoulder. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll get some diagnosis on him and see how he goes. But what about the game? What about the team? What about the players that played the game? Let's talk about that. What do you, how would you characterize that win here? I mean, Jameer Gibbs played great, made some big runs. Quarterback went in the game and made some plays. I mean, the defense, you know, made some plays. We made some horrible mistakes, you know, on special teams. But we, we overcame it. But there's a lot that we can learn from this game today. And hopefully our team will get better because of it. Coach, thank you for your time. Yeah, I mean, what an attitude. Did you listen to her? I got we got it shortened now. Her question and his answer. Her question is exactly what he wants to be asked. He doesn't realize that he was just asked it. Coach, your Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young goes down. The rest of the team steps up. What did you learn about the resiliency of this squad today? Well, you know what I'd like to talk about is our team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? If you are a football coach and you do that for a living and you get paid what Nick Saban gets paid. million contract, and that apparently boils down to, uh, with all the whatever, $11.7 million a year. You should be the happiest guy in the world all the time, and you have no excuse to have an attitude with anybody, especially Jenny, what's her last name? Jenny Dell, CBS Sports, lead college football reporter. She did a great job with that silly guy with all of his attitude. Thank you, Jenny. We give the news sometimes a hard time. She was great. And we'll be right back. Thank you so much. And we'll see you tomorrow. All the best.